0: Hello, this is Apostle Reginald Baldwin, and we're welcoming you to our brand new podcast called Man Talk for Men. Man Talk for Men is a division of Antioch International Ministries' men's ministry called Men of War, and Apostle Baldwin will be teaching on different subjects that men face on an everyday basis. We will be discussing all kinds of issues And using biblical principles to show you how you can change your life and exercise authority and power in the things that are concerning your life. So get ready for Apostle Reginald Baldwin as we enter into Man Talk for Men. Well, praise the Lord. This is Apostle Reginald Baldwin, and we're welcoming you to another Man Talk for Men. And we're going to get into the word again today and find out what God is saying to us as men as we continue to find out about the marriage covenant. We want to be better men. God really spoke some things to us last week as he kind of gave us an overview of what we are supposed to be acting like and how we're supposed to be as men in a marriage. And so today we're going to break it down and we're going to get into some real, real technical things concerning marriage between a husband and a wife. And we're going to break some things down to you that I believe is going to help you in your relationship. It's very, very interesting to note now that during this, uh, time of, uh, trouble that the world is in and people are being quarantined, self-quarantined and people are, uh, being, uh, having to stay at home. And what is happening is there are a lot of couples, married couples who are together and they're spending more time together with each other now than they probably have in their whole marriage. And they are beginning to learn things about each other that maybe they didn't know. And so I I believe that these messages are going to help you to become stronger in your relationship with each other as you even get to know each other and Then we're going to see what God can do with your relationship. If you're having struggles in your relationship, God is able to heal you and to fix you, but it's going to take both parties. And so we're going to get into the word today and we're going to find out what is God saying to us concerning the marriage covenant. This is going to be a blessing. We're talking about the marriage covenant. The covenant of the marriage. This is what God wants us to understand and. We talked about last week what a covenant was and we talked about that a covenant is an agreement between two or more individuals where they come together and they pledge their allegiance to each other. They pledge all of their uh, wealth, all of their goods. They, they, they pledge their time. They pledge their emotions. They pledge everything that they have to the other person that they're in covenant with. And then the person, the other person is in covenant. They pledge everything that they have to that person. And so what happens is when you're in a covenant relationship, you're trying your best to bless the person you're in covenant with, and you will do whatever it takes for you to do to honor them and to make them happy and to please them and to bless them. Well, what happens is this is a covenant that is supposed to be made for life. This is a covenant between, when we're talking about marriage, between a man and a wife, it's a man and his wife, and God. This is a three-pronged covenant between you, your wife, and God. And therefore, God pledges himself to you. You pledge yourself to God, and you pledge yourself to your wife. God, uh, pledges himself to his wife, to your wife, and then your wife pledges herself to God and to you. And if everybody is flowing, then the marriage is going to be successful because everybody is going to be blessed. That's what a covenant is. And the covenant is not, cannot be dissolved unless the relationship ends in death. Basically when a death takes place, then the covenant is annulled. Now we need to understand that there are what we call physical death, which would annul a marriage because once the people are dead or one of the other are dead, then that means there's no more marriage there. We have a widow or a widower. And so the, that marriage is is, is is no longer in existence in the earth. But now there is also another death to a marriage and it's called divorce. And and that takes place where uh, the people are still alive, but they have the marriage. the relationship has been destroyed and therefore they end up in a divorce. Well, this is what a covenant does. A covenant stands forever and it stands for life. And so we're going to talk about divorce later on in some uh, f- uh, future sessions. But I want to get to you today about the covenant relationship between the husband and the wife. And I'm telling you, God is going to bless us. Let's take a look at what he says, because because we're trying to find out we want to be a better man. This is what this whole series of messages is, is becoming a better man. Now, when you become a better man. Then you'll be a better husband. You'll be a better father. You'll be a better son. You'll be a better friend. You'll be a better employee. You'll be a better Christian. We all have to grow. So let's take a look and see what are some of the characteristics of being a better man. A better man, when you are a better man, what will take place in your life is this. You will be meek. You will be teachable. You'll be led by God. You'll admit when you're wrong. You'll be truthful. You won't be stubborn. You won't be lazy or slothful. You'll be cheerful. You'll walk with God. You'll be kind. You'll be patient. And you'll be loving. This is what God wants for us as men. He wants us to be a better man. Okay, you see, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be meek. That means that we 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 don't walk around in an arrogant spirit. We're supposed to be teachable. We don't know everything and we have to be open to knowledge. We have to be a follower of God. We have to be truthful. We have to be covenant makers. We have to be faithful men. These areas in our lives that God wants us to 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 grow in because we all are growing and nobody has arrived yet, but we're all growing. The Bible says we go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. So we're walking in that revelation. And every time God reveals something else to us, then we 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 hitch onto that and then we go to the next level. So that's what a better man is. And and and, and you go back and you just look at those terms that we found out of what a better man is because that's what we're supposed to be manifesting in our lives on a daily. But let's go back there just a little bit. okay? now look at this. We have to admit when we're wrong. Brothers, I want you to know something and I want you to know this right now. Sometimes we are wrong and what we have to do is we have to be able to admit that we're wrong. And that means we cannot be stubborn. We cannot be stubborn and we cannot be bullheaded. We have to understand that there are some times that we are wrong and admitting that you are wrong is a strength. It is not a weakness because we all have been in a position where we have made mistakes and made the wrong decisions. And, 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 and the, and the strong man is the one that says, okay, I was wrong. I corrected so that I can go in the right direction. The stubborn man is one that wants to hold on and he's going to try to make wrong right, but wrong will never be right. Why? Because two wrongs don't make a right. Three wrongs don't make a right. Any wrong doesn't make a right. And so we need to understand that. These are what we are to be as better men. We have to be truthful, not lazy or slothful. God does not want a lazy or a slothful or sluggard of a man. Men, we ought to work, and if you don't have a job, then you have a career or a trade or a business, but you should be working. You should be busy. You should be about your business of taking care of your family. This is what we are supposed to be as men. We're not supposed to be lazy and slothful and lay around all day and lay around and do nothing. We are to be improving ourselves so that we can improve our lives and improve the lot of our marriage and the lot of our family. You cannot, as a man, be lazy. Lazy men are worthless. And the Bible talks about a sluggard. And when a sluggard is in, uh it says that a sluggard is so lazy, he won't even pick up a fork to put the food to his mouth. Now, that's lazy. That is just downright trifling. You know, that's what we used to say when I was growing up. It's just, it's a sorry. And, and no one wants to see a sorry man. Listen to what it goes on to talk about here. It says we have to be cheerful. Cheerful. That means that God wants you to be cheerful. He wants you to be a happy, with a happy countenance, a cheerful countenance. Nobody wants to walk around and, 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 and always looking at a mean mug. It's too many men walking around with sour faces and and mean mugs and, and and that doesn't that doesn't do anything that doesn't make you tough because you're trying to look mean and and you need to understand we as men need to be exhilarating and we need to be uh ones that that have the ability to manifest life and light and joy and peace why because you're a man of god and if you're a man of god then you have authority and power to bring life and to bring blessing into the lives of people this is what god wants you and i to be look at what he goes on to talk about we need to be kind and patient and loving Kind, patient and loving. We're going to talk about all of these different qualities uh, in us as men as we go along. So I want you to understand that being a better man means that we have to graduate from glory to glory, from level to level, from 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 education to education, from wisdom to wisdom so that we can continually improve. When you stop improving, you are regressing. God is always moving forward. If you're going to walk with God, you got to keep moving forward. Even if you stand still, you're going backwards because if God's moving forward and you're standing still, then he's getting further and further away from you. So stagnation or retreat are not good because they both mean you're going backwards on God. So we need to understand that. Let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 2. And we dealt with this and I'm just going to uh, hit on this and then take you to the next level of where we want to go. The Bible says in Genesis chapter two, verse twenty four and twenty five. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife and were not ashamed. So we talked about this last week. That the man leaves his father and his mother. And the man cleaves unto his wife or joins himself unto his wife and they become one flesh. And the Bible talks about that, that they become one flesh. He wants us to become one. He wants us to become one individual. I said this last time that when a man and a woman get married, you have two different individuals, two different genders. We got a male and a female. Then they, they, they have, they were growing up They've grown up in two different families and they have had different experiences in their lives. They've had different uh, education. They've had different uh, learning experiences and hurt experiences in their lives. Now, they're supposed to come together and join themselves together and act like one person. So that means the different mindsets and all of these things, they have to come together to be unified so that you can become one flesh. And that is a major, major undertaking for anybody that's getting married. And that's why you cannot be stubborn, men and women. You can't be stubborn because when you're stubborn, then that means you are not giving place to agreement. Because you must be in agreement in order for you to be married. The Bible says in Amos three three, how can two walk together except they be agreed? If you don't agree with each other, then you can't walk in the blessing of God. Y'all, y'all getting that? So now, notice what it says here. It says they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Again, we were talking about they're uncovered. They don't have secrets. They don't keep secrets. They don't, they're not hiding anything. They're naked. They're spiritually naked, physically naked, and they're uh, soullessly naked. In other words, in every realm of their lives, they are uncovered so that they can be transparent to the other person that they're with. That way that the person that they're with, their mate, doesn't have to be worried about what are, what are they think and what's going on with them. Because let me tell you something. When the other person in the relationship has to try to figure out and worry that opens their mind up to the attacks of Satan and the inferences and and the and the and the and the invasion into their mind of thoughts and imaginations. And a lot of times the devil will bring lies into the mind when a person isn't sure of their mate. And this is what we want to cancel out. This is what we want to stop because just being transparent with each other, you still have to work together to do that. So when you really have uh, deception going on and when you have a wonder and worry and doubt going on, that really hampers the relationship and it causes for both people not to, to be happy and not to be at peace with one another. And it gives the devil legal access to walk into that marriage and then to begin to bring it down and tear it up as he sees fit. That's why you have to become a better man and you better find a good woman, because the Bible says a virtuous woman, her price is far above rubies. But then the Bible also says, but who can find A faithful man. So we need to understand a good man or a faithful man is looking for a virtuous woman and a virtuous woman is looking for what? A faithful man. And when we come together like that, we'll be able to walk in the things of God. Well, let's go to Genesis chapter two, because this is where we want to get to today. Genesis chapter two, and we're going to look at verse seven and we're going to begin to see some things about what God has said and is saying to you and I. In verse 7, he begins to show us how he created man. And the the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Do you see that? God formed man's body, his physical body from the dirt or the dust of the ground or the earth. So man's body was formed, his body was formed from the earth, the dirt. Now you need to understand this. So his body was formed from the earth, but at this particular time, the earth was perfect. So when man's body was created, his body was formed from perfect dirt. So his body was perfect. You need to understand that because the earth hadn't gotten cursed yet. So the earth is perfect, just like God had made it now. His body was formed from perfect earth. It was formed in fashion in the way that God wanted the body to be, but the body was not alive. It was just dirt that had been formed into a body, but there was no life. And then the Bible says, after God formed man from the dust of the ground, it says, then he breathed. Look at what it says here. So you can see it. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. So man did not start living until God breathed into his body, the breath of life. Now, now understand this. The word breathe, the term breathe, it means to inhale and to exhale. Now, God When you inhale something, that means you are bringing it in. But when you're exhaling it, you are releasing it. Now, what we find is that the breathing process is not just exhaling and is not just inhaling. Breathing consists of inhaling and exhaling. Therefore, in order for it to be a complete breathing process, there has to be the inhaling and the exhaling. Now, notice what God does, because it's interesting the way he puts this in the scriptures. It said God breathed. He didn't just blow or exhale, but he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. That living soul means a breathing being. That's what it means to be a living soul, a being that breathes. Now we understand that breathing is inhaling and exhaling. So now when God began the process, the process became first. The the first process that came was that God breathed into man. So that means that God exhaled what was in him out of him into the man y'all get that he exhaled what was in him into the man now we know from john chapter four verse 24 that god is a spirit god is a spirit being he is not a physical body he is a spirit being and therefore if god is a spirit then when god breathed because when you you exhale something what you are blowing out comes from within you Well, what God had in him, he is a spirit being. So he breathed part of himself into the body that was laying there lifeless and he breathed the spirit. He breathed his spirit. Part of his spirit went into the body of Adam. And when that spirit got inside that body, it was a spirit of life that breathes. Now, when that spirit got inside of Adam's body, then Adam's body came alive. The Bible said he became a living, breathing being. Yes, he did. And now he began to breathe. Now, understand this, but breathing is a process of inhaling and exhaling, which means then that God had exhaled his spirit into man. Now, you need to understand something. Not only did he exhale his spirit into man, but he also exhaled his will for the man's life into him. Listen to what I'm saying. Anytime God gives life to something, he always gives it a purpose and a plan for its existence or else there would be no need for the thing to be in existence. God does not create things that don't exist or don't have a purpose or a plan everything that he creates has a purpose or a plan so when he created the man and that, and not only that but when he creates something then he always gives the thing that he creates its instructions on how it is to be and how it is to live now uh, as as we get into the word you'll find out that the same qualities that were was in god has now been invested into man because man was able to do the same thing that God did. And we'll show you that a little later on. But right now, God breathes into Adam his spirit. But not only does he breathe in his spirit, which makes Adam alive, but he also breathes Adam's destiny. He breathes Adam's, uh, his, uh, his, 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 his God's will for his life, his purpose for his life. And he also breathes into him and, and 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 exhales into him the gifts and the qualities that he will need in order to execute his purpose that God has given him. God never gives you a purpose that he doesn't equip you to do. So you need to understand something. Adam now, as he begins to live, he is able now to get up off of that ground and stand up. And begin to move around, but now he has the DNA of God. He has the ability of God, the power of God. He has the attributes of God. Because you remember in Genesis 126, when God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Well, that's what God did. He he has made man in his image. Man is not was not in the image of God when he formed the body from the dust of the ground. Man got in the image of God when God breathed part of himself into that body. Thus, the man is a spirit being who happens to have a body and who also possesses a soul. Man is a three part part being. He's three part just like God. God is the Godhead. We call him the Godhead. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. Are you all understanding what I'm saying? And so now we have a man who is created in a three part being. He is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a body. Isn't that right? Well, isn't that the same thing? It's a type of God. Notice God. God is The father. God is a spirit. God, the father is the spirit. So he is the type of the spirit of man. And then we have a soul. That's your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions. That's where you make your decisions. That's a type of the Holy Spirit, the mind of God. Whoso knows the things of God, except the spirit of God uh, who dwelleth in him. You understand that? The Holy Spirit is like the mind of God and, and he's like the soul of God. And then the body is, is, is like Jesus. Jesus took on bodily form. Are you understanding this so that he could now walk in the earth with God, the father, the spirit and God, the Holy Spirit in him and Jesus being God manifest in the flesh. So he could show man how man was to live on this earth. And also he came into a body so that he could now with all of the qualities that he had in him, he could now redeem fallen man from sin. That's another message and a whole series of messages all by itself. But the point I want you to see is that when God created man, when He when he created him and he breathed into his body, he gave him quality. He gave him power, authority, ability. He gave him a purpose. He gave him a destiny and a calling. All of these things were in Adam so that when Adam was alive. To God, he knew what he was supposed to do. He knew how he was supposed to do it and he knew he was able to do it and he had no fear, no problem because he was walking in perfect union with God. Now, remember I told you, haven't forgotten about this, that breathing means to inhale and to exhale. Now, let's talk about breathing some more because this is gonna be interesting when we talk about the husband uh, and the wife. Now, when God created man, this is what God's purpose was. God created man so that he could breathe with man. That's why He created him through the breathing process. He created man so he could breathe in man. The Bible said God um, breathed into him the, the the breath of life, the breath of life, the spirit of life, which made him a living being, a breathing being. Now, so when God exhaled. He gave man direction. He gave man a charge. He gave him uh his purpose, his worth. He gave him the instructions in what he was supposed to do. That's the exhale part. Now, in order to breathe, you must have inhaling and exhaling. So therefore, since God and man now are in a relationship, we have to have breathing between the two so that they have to inhale and exhale. So what has to happen is, When God exhaled into Adam, Adam had to inhale or receive what God had exhaled into him. So what was it that God exhaled into Adam? He exhaled spirit into Adam. He exhaled his purpose. He exhaled his power. He exhaled his ability. He exhaled his character. He exhaled all of these things and and what he was supposed to do in his authority. Now, Adam has to now inhale or receive everything that God has given him, receive it, inhale it. And then part of inhaling means to receive what you have been given, understand it, process it, know it, agree with it, and then perform it. That's what the inhale process does. So the inhaling means that whatever God put into Adam, Adam had to receive it. And then make a decision to perform what God said. Now, when Adam received from God and then he made a decision, I'm going to perform what God has created me to do. That means now that Adam is going to do the exhaling. He's already inhaled, but now he's got to exhale. The exhaling of Adam was to perform what God created him to do and to operate in the authority that God gave him. So Adam exhales that by being who God called him to be and serving God in that way. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I'm getting excited just teaching this because you need to understand this is what God has done for you and I as men. Now, Adam exhales and begins to perform what God has already breathed into him to do. Now, once Adam does his performing, his exhaling, because he's in a relationship with God, then God has to do some inhaling. Now, what inhaling does God do? What inhaling God does is then when Adam exhales his performance, and his ability to obey God and to do what God put him in to do, then God inhales that or receives Adam's actions and accepts it as a relationship that is going to work out fine. And he accepts Adam's action and he accepts Adam's uh work and his authority and he approves of him. Then once God inhales that, then God can exhale what else he wants Adam to do. And then Adam will inhale what God has given him to do. Then Adam will exhale back to God. And so we have a breathing process of of instruction, receiving instruction, performance. When Adam performs, God receives it. Then God says, well, I got to perform for him. So then God performs for him and he breathes that into Adam. Adam receives it. Adam performs. And then Adam breathes that back into God. And this is the process of breathing. I hope you understand that. Because there cannot be a relationship between man and God unless God is giving you instruction, giving you wisdom, giving you understanding, and giving you the authority to do what he has purposed you to do. And then you have to receive that and agree with it and then perform it as your gift back to him of what he has given you, which is life. And you continually live in that process with God. And as you do that, you will both breathe and your relationship will never die. It will always be alive and it will be renewed on a daily basis. This is what God established between him and Adam. I hope you all are getting what I'm saying, because this is so powerful. Now, look at this as we go back uh, to Genesis chapter two, verse seven. So it says the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life and man became, he became a living, living soul or a breathing being. That's what he became. He became a breathing, a breathing being. That's what God breathed into Adam. Are y'all getting this? All right, now watch this. Watch this, because now I'm going to take you into the next level. What has happened now, God first establishes His relationship with man. He teaches man what a relationship is. He teaches man how a relationship has to work. He teaches man that the way that the relationship between you and I are going to work is that we have to breathe together. And as long as we're breathing together, We'll never get out of breath, we'll never suffocate, and then we'll never die. Now, God's not going to ever die anyway, but man has to keep up his part of the bargain so that he can stay in the life that God has given him. So God has established this breathing relationship. God has shown him that the only way that a relationship is a relationship is that the two individuals that are in the relationship Breathe together. If, if you're not breathing in rhythm and in sync with the one that who has created you, who is God, then you are out of breath. And if you're out of breath for any length of time, you can die. This is what God is teaching Adam. This is the kind of relationship that I want you, my man, to have. Brothers, listen to me. Listen to me well. God wants you and he wants me to have a breathing relationship with him so that I am open to receive whatever he shares with me, whatever directions he gives me, whatever purpose he tells me I'm called to, whatever job he gives me to do. I receive it. I accept it. I inhale it. And then I process it. And then I exercise my faculties and my gifts and my talents to perform what God has given me to do so that I can perform it and give it back to him as the breath that has been received and processed. Are you all understanding this? And so then when God receives my actions as a completion of what he has given me to do, then God receives that by inhaling my completion. And he qualifies me as just and in right standing with him. And we continue to have that perfect relationship. This was established with man when he was first created so that man could understand relationship is based off of breathing. All right, apostle, why you keep talking about all this breathing? Well, I'm glad you asked me that question. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2 and take a look at verse 18. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end up here today in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Notice what happens in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Bible says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. God said it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. God said it is not good. Not man said, but God said. First point. It was God's idea that man not be alone. That word alone, you could really look at it as all one all one. You could just kind of break it down. That means he didn't want him to be all and one all by himself. That word alone means to be by yourself. It means to be without companionship. God said he did not want men. It is not good. He said, it's not good. He said, I, it's not good for the man that he be alone. I'm going to make him a help meet for him. We're going to break that down in a little bit, but let's get back first. First, the, it's not good. It is not good that man should be alone. It is not good. That means if it's not good, that means it's bad. Are you understanding this? So now what what does God say? He says then that if it's not good that man should be alone, then God says, I'm going to do something about him being alone. And I'm going to make him a help meet for him. Now the word be there. Now I want you to look at this. Look at this because this is going to bless you. The Lord God said it is not good that man should be. Be that word be is the word "hayah" in the Hebrew, and it means to exist or to become or to happen or to come to pass or to be done. It means, watch this now, it means something that comes into being or arises. God said, it is not good that man should come into being or to arise or to exist alone. Because I don't want him to be in existence alone because I didn't create him to be alone. Are you hearing? I created him to be in relationship. I taught him relationship when I formed his body from the dust of the ground. And then I gave him life and taught him about breathing so that he would understand relationship now that he is alive. And now that he and I have a good relationship. But now, even with that, I don't want him to be alone on the earth with a body with not someone else to join with him. Are y'all understanding this? Yes, he and I are. He's not alone with me in the spirit realm because we're both spirit beings and we're attached, but he's a physical being as well. And I want him to be able to have a relationship with another physical being as well as having a spiritual relationship with me. So then God says, so what I'm going to do now, all this is God's idea. This is not man's idea. Man had nothing to do with this. God's idea was this. This was God's will that man not be or exist or coming to being or to become something by himself. Watch it now that man not become something by himself. All right. So then God said, now, what I'm going to do to remedy that situation of it not being good is I'm going to make him a help meet for him. Now, that word. Listen, 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 listen. Let's go back to that word again, because, uh, oh, this going to bless you. This going to bless you. Listen to this. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. All right. So now we understand that that word means to be. It means, like we said, to exist, to, to become, to happen, to come to pass. It means to come into being or to arise now. But it also means, and a a greater definition of this word, this word hayat. it also means to breathe. I want you to get that. I want to pause right there for a minute. It also means to breathe. So God says it is not good that man should breathe alone. By himself, so I will make him a helper meet for him. So I'm going to make somebody for him that he can breathe with. Oh, listen to what I'm saying now, because I'm, I'm I'm here now. Listen to what I'm saying. That means that the the woman that God made for Adam was made to help him come into existence. Of what God called him to be. She was put into his life. To help him breathe. Now watch this. Because this is so powerful. This is so powerful. She. Is. The watch this now. The inhaler of his exhaling. And he is the inhaler of her exhaling. She was created by God, the wife, not just any woman, but your wife. Whoever your wife is that God has sent you. Has created her to help you breathe. Now, if you're married to a woman and all she's doing is taking your breath away and you're suffocating because you can't breathe, then God didn't send her as your wife. She's come to take your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But brother, I want you to understand something too. If a woman, you have taken a woman into your life and all you're doing is, is, is stopping her from breathing so that she is beginning to suffocate, then God did not put you in her life and you have become a hindrance to his daughter and he's going to judge you for taking his daughter's breath away. So I want you to understand this thing works both ways. It works both ways. So that there are some women that have come and suffocate men by not breathe, not allowing them to breathe, and then there are some men that have gotten with women that suffocate women and don't allow them to breathe. Because the purpose of living, living, remember, God created man a living, a breathing being. In order to live, you gotta breathe, and in order for your relationship to work, you gotta breathe. And therefore. The husband, listen to what happens now. When God gave him his wife, then she came and God said that Adam called her Eve because she was the mother of all living. That's what Adam called her. Yeah, that's what he did. He called her Eve. But when they were created, But notice that didn't happen until after they had sinned against God. Because when they were first created, when God built her from his rib and, and, and formed her from his rib and, and and brought her to the man as his wife. And then God says he won't breathe alone. She was perfect and he was perfect. And therefore her purpose. Was to help him breathe and his purpose was to help her breathe and then they would create a whole new life together and they would live. So now Adam was to exhale instructions to Eve as to what she was called to do, who she is, her abilities, her talents, her gifts, her purpose for living. And Adam is exhaling that to her. Listen to what I'm saying. And so then Eve, as his wife, and Ad, actually when they were first created before they, they, her name was Eve. The Bible said God called their name Adam. They were both called Adam because they were one. And He treated them as one. He didn't treat them as the lesser and the greater. He treated them as one. That's why He called both of their name Adam. And that's when when God said Adam, they both answered, why? Because they were one. Now, so Adam. He, he breathes into Miss Adam and gives her her destiny, gives her her calling, gives her her ability, her her gifts, her talents, and expresses that to her. And then what she does is God expects her to receive the information and the instructions that Adam has given her. And then when she receives that, she processes that and then she operates and and then begins to perform that. Now, when she performs that, then she is exhaling her performance back to Adam. And so then Adam has to receive her performance. And when he receives her performance, he inhales it and accepts it and honors her and treats her and blesses her. Right now. When Adam exhaled his purpose, her purpose, and her her, her gifts and her callings, what is her exhaling to him? She's exhaling back to him his purpose and his calling. Because remember, God called her to help him to become something. So he doesn't even know all that he's supposed to be. Oh, y'all better hear this. He doesn't know all that he's supposed to become until she can tell him. Because she has been given this mission to help him to become whatever God has called him to exist. So that means that she is just as much important in his relationship with God and even in his relationship with life as he is. Are y'all hearing this? So that 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 lets you know that first of all, the wife is not less than the husband and the husband is not greater than the wife. They are one. They're equal. That's why God said they shall become one flesh. Not two fleshes and a flesh, uh, a one and then flesh one B. No. They are both one flesh and God called them both Adam. God said, let us create man in our image and after our likeness and let them both have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over every creeping thing and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his image in the image of God created he him male and female created he them and God blessed them. And again, he said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over all the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the creeping things things that creep upon the earth so god gave man that authority and dominion male and female so there is no gender difference as far as authority is concerned with god that difference came because of sin but god's creation and god's will is that the husband doesn't have any more power over the wife than she has over him They both are existing as one because they have to help each other become what God called both of them to be. So that means that whatever God intended for the woman to become, then he's got to help her by breathing with her to help her to become what she's supposed to be. And then she's helping him to become what God's called him to be by breathing with him. This is agreement. And this is why, as a husband, you got to listen to your wife. And wife, you have to listen to your husband, because if you don't, your communication is going to drop off of the world. Look at verse 18. And God said. Look at this now. And God said. It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. He's not going to be all by himself but I'm going to make him a help. And that word help, it means a helper, one who aids, one who gives assistance, whether it's material assistance or immaterial assistance. It is a helper. It is one who is called along to aid or to help. Now, that's what God said. I'm going to make him a help. And it did not say, this word, now let me share this with you. This word is two words. I am going to make him a help meet for him. There is no such word as a help meet. H-E-L-P-M-E-E-E-T. There's no such word as that. But that has what has been, has been introduced into the church and into the body of Christ for years and years and years. And that does not even exist. That's not even real. There is no such thing as a help meet. God did not say, I'm going to make him a helpmate." He said, I'm going to make him an aid or one that is called alongside to assist him. That's the help. And then notice what else he goes on to say. I am going to make him a helper, one who helps, one who aids, one who assists him either materially or immaterially. And then I'm going to make him a helper that is meat. You see the word "meet" there? That word "meet," That word means to be suitable or a companion. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It means one who is fit. It means one who is com- a companion or one who has the ability to do the same thing that the person that they're helping is doing. Uh, Let me let me let me kind of break this down to you. If I'm going to need help doing something, then whoever I get to help me has to be able to do the thing, too, because if they can't do it, then they can't help me. That's the purpose of getting help. Now, God said, I am going to make him a helper. I'm calling alongside him someone to assist him and to help him who is suitable to him, who fits him, who is compatible with him so that he can perform what I've called him to do because I've given him some assistance. To make sure that he can get it done. So that means they're gonna add strength to him. They're gonna add wisdom to him. They're gonna add resolve to him. They're gonna, they're gonna add tenacity to him. They're gonna add everything that he needs to assist him into becoming whatever it is God wants him to become or to do whatever God wants him to do. That's the, that's the helper. Now that's what the wife's role is. That's what the woman's role. She is to help and to assist him into becoming who He is. But because they are called in a relationship of breathing, then he is also called to assist her into becoming who she is. And so he has to give her help and assistance. So in essence, the husband is also a helper who is meat for his wife. God is not going to give a woman a man that will not assist her or can't assist her in being what it is she needs to be. Neither will God give man a wife that cannot assist him in being what God has called him to be. There is a mutual relationship. Now, you need to understand something, brothers, because men have taken this thing as a wife as being less than him to a whole level that is that never existed and it did not exist in the will of God. And that is this, God called the wife a helper. Huh? Yeah, he called her a helper. But now notice, God calls himself a helper. So the very thing that God is, he made the woman. Because the Bible said about the Holy Ghost, that the Bible said, that He is our Comforter, the Holy Spirit. He's gonna send us the Holy Ghost, the Comforter. And that word Comforter means a helper, one called alongside for aid or one called to ex- to bring assistance. So God helps us. Which means now, because he helps you, does that mean you're less than him? I mean, uh, he's less than you. Does that mean you can lord it over him because you're the help? He's helping you. No, that doesn't mean that. God has more strength than you does. Yes. Yes, he does. Your wife has got more wisdom and understanding and knowledge in areas that you don't have. That's why she's going to help you. Because in the areas that you're deficient in, she will have strength in and then you listen to her and breathe with her. Then you'll learn what she knows and then you can grow. And then if if she listens to you on the things that you know that she doesn't know. And if she will receive from you, then she'll learn from you and become stronger. And then both of you are joining together, your both of your strengths and you bring it together as one, not take, trying to take credit for something or are you trying to take credit for something. No, just come together as one because you are living as one. And when you don't fight with each other, when you don't bicker and argue with each other, but when you're uh, assisting each other and becoming the best that you can be, you will bless yourselves. That's what God's trying to get you to see. That's what he's trying to get me to see. We need to understand that. He said, I have made him a helper. An assist. A person who has the same power that he has so that she can help him to come into existence into whoever I've called him to be. And then you have been called as her helper with your power to help her into coming into being everything that God has called you to be. When you as a husband will do whatever you can to help your wife in whatever she needs your help in, and you give it willingly, and you give it with all of your strength and with all of your mind, you're gonna please your wife. And when you give your husband all of the strength and the help that he needs with all of your strength and with all your mind, and you too, when you too come into agreement This is how you're going to live so that you're not trying to outdo each other and trying to take the credit. Because if one prospers, you both prosper. When one gets blessed, you both get blessed. Husband, if somebody compliments your wife, don't get jealous. Accept that because if she's your wife. And she's getting complimented, somebody's saying, "Well, who in the world is she married to? Is she that bad of a woman? Then what kind of man got her? what man is? who is this man that she that she's in love with? See, see when she gets praised, that praise goes to you. Oh a wife, don't get jealous of your husband when he gets praised. If he gets praised, then they're going to look at oh, whoa, I wonder what woman got his heart, and then the praise goes to you. So stop fighting each other, trying to be the best and outdo each other. That's stupid. That's crazy. You're you're defeating your own purpose. You're, You're suffocating each other. You're not helping each other that way. Communicate. Learn to talk to each other. Learn to listen to each other. First of all, learn to love each other. But first of all, before you do that, this is why God taught Adam about relationship before he even brought a woman into his life. God said the first relationship you have to have is with me. And if you are obeying me and if you are walking the way I told you to walk and if you're breathing with me, then you ain't gonna have no problem breathing with your wife. Or if you're breathing with me, wife, you ain't gonna have any problem breathing with your husband as long as both of y'all are trying to breathe with me. If y'all are breathing in right communion with God and if you're in connection with God, then you can't help but please each other because you're both trying to please God. And this is what God wants us to see. We're going to get into this uh next week even more. As we break down the relationship between a husband and a wife and how God expects a husband to treat his wife and how God expects a wife to treat her husband. See, we need to understand you have been called in a relationship of breathing. Which means that you help each other exist and come into being whatever it is you're supposed to come into being. This is what God has for you, and this is what God wants to release into your life right now. So I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Father, while the husband and the wife or the man is listening and maybe he'll he'll let his wife see this or, or give it to her so she can see it. Or women that don't have a husband or men that don't have a wife. You can learn from this so that you'll know what to do when you get your 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 your, your partner, the one that's going to help you, your helper. Father, I pray that they walk in this revelation right now, that this word saturates their spirit, saturates their soul, saturates their mind, and causes them to walk in the supernatural realm of power and authority and a greatness. Father, I give you the praise right now. I give you the honor right now. I give you the glory right now that they are walking in the presence of God and they are walking in the power of God. And Father, I thank you right now that everybody that's listening to this word or watching this video will be supernaturally blessed by the authority of God's anointing and you will cause them to walk in power. I pray that this word has been a blessing to you and I'm telling you, take heed to what God is saying because it's not good for you to breathe alone. God wants you to have a helper to help you breathe. Take this word and run with it. And keep on breathing and don't get caught waiting to exhale. God bless you. (laughs) We'll talk to you next week in Jesus name.